This is the Epilog Audio Experience. Everyone has an opinion. Do some opinions matter more than the others? Do writers need plan B as their career option? Also, how does a critic deal with criticism? Welcome to Voice of Achievers with me Yashika as we try to make sense of another career trajectory and dive into the world of a passionate writer, cinema and culture enthusiast, an author and a chiller. Our guest Mayank Shekhar is an Indian film critic, journalist and author of three books, Bombay Talkies, Cinema Ka Safar and Name Place Animal Thing. Currently, entertainment head at Midday, he's been a national cultural editor with Hindustan Times and written for Mumbai Mirror in the past. With almost 20 years of experience, he's the first film critic to have won the Ramnath Goenka Award, a thorough film enthusiast, podcaster at Sit With Hit List, and passionate writer, he attempts to make sense of mass culture and pop culture through his writing. Well, you'll find his musings on his blog MS Word Now and Fat for Thought previously. We're talking to him about journalism, on writing, on culture, and of course, chilling. Thank you so much, Yashika, for having me. Uh, we will be chilling regardless of what we talk about. So I'm going back a little. Young boy in the 90s, economics graduate, St. Stephen's, parents have government jobs. Why and how film journalism? Was that the plan always? No, that can ne- never be anybody's plan. And I think that's the beauty of a lot of things we end up doing in life uh, is when we don't plan too much. Uh, forget about plan A, plan B, plan C. I think all of those, if they appear in the process of discovery, is when you intend or when you end up enjoying uh, them the most. Uh, so yes, uh, 90s, no, I did not think I would be a movie critic. There was no such profession. There probably isn't such profession even now. Uh, standalone film critics doesn't mean anything. Um, I mean, film criticism by itself is, is a much wider ambit. There are lots of things that people do, but I'm presuming when you say film critic, you mean film reviewers. No, but did I enjoy the movies? Uh, hell yeah. Uh, was it a big deal that I enjoyed the movies? No, because practically everyone at that age especially in the background that I come from, uh, the friends I had, we were all movie buffs. So there's nothing particularly special about you being a movie buff as against, let's say, if you were a beekeeper, if you were, you know, if you went to carpentry, if you were hugely into gymnastics, you would know that what you're pursuing is something very different from uh, other people's interests. Uh, From my academic point of view, again, uh, these were all a series of non-plans that turned out the way they did. Uh, I was doing sciences to start with in that one month before your your board's results are out. And then I decided to take up commerce because all my friends were going to commerce. And, and I did that. I, had a, I did a lot of chilling uh, all through my 11th uh, to a fair portion my 12th. And then I realized at some point, my girlfriend at the time, she was doing humanities and I would spend most of my time at her house just reading her books. And I discovered the beauty of her uh, studying, which doesn't seem like study, right? Uh, it they seem like books I would read for leisure, and those are primarily uh, well to start with psychology, which I totally fell in love with as a subject, and um, 
And history, I'd always liked because what is history? I mean, history is storytelling at the end of the day, isn't it? These are stories, these are characters, these are people who actually lived and they shaped the world. I'm still interested in nonfiction hugely. So that, so I basically moved my stream uh, about a month before my pre-boards uh, in the 12th. Okay. Is that even possible? Well, it's so. In, I mean, I had a lovely uh, counselor, and I should name her Kanika Marwa. I mean, of course, I mean, it goes without saying, all these things are possible when your parents have, you know, a huge trust, you know, repose a huge trust on you. And they, and they were very clear, even then and even thereafter, is uh, don't, you know, don't do it because it's the easier route. So I had to actually score high uh, in my school exams in order to convince them that that's not what I'm doing. I'm not running away from any subject. I'm running towards something I might enjoy more. So I had scored reasonably well in commerce. Uh, and then because I had I'd done reasonably well, I think my counselor, she, of course, being a counselor, was also a psychology teacher. And perhaps you know, she liked the idea of me suggesting that I really want to study psychology, which I really did. Uh, so she let me uh, uh, change stream a month before my boards. So I, effectively, what I got were two new subjects, which others were studying since the beginning of 11th, but I hadn't touched uh, until then. Uh, and what were the two subjects? History and psychology. So I studied a lot, but it did not seem like studying at all to a point that in that uh, in those two or three months that you have before the boards, um, having learned psychology from 11th till 12th, I topped uh, CBSC. Uh, I got a 97% in psychology. Uh, you know, and of course, my girlfriend, uh, uh, she she was teaching me as well, but she didn't score those marks. I felt, you know, she must have really hated me. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so that's the beauty of it, right? None of this was planned, but what you were moving towards were things by elimination, you're realizing things that interest you more. Uh, and that has practically been uh, the journey of my life. Uh, we don't I mean, all those people, they may be lucky, but I don't even think they are lucky to know at a very young age that's really what they want to do. They're lucky if they want to be cricketers and if you're Tendulkar and you start at age five and then yes, you represent India, but those are very few. Most people, are, when they know that they're, what they're passionate about at the age of eight or 10, uh, I would like to believe that not as, not as lucky as they're made out to be. Because the beauty of what we do is, is a discovery, isn't it? Uh, and uh, as that cliche goes, or is it a John Lennon quote, you know, life happens to you uh, when you're busy making other plans. And that's really how it's been because from there on, because I scored really high uh, in the 12th standard, I mean, economics, St. Stephen's was the course uh, to take up, right? And uh, it would have made my parents really happy and they'd been really nice to me. Uh, I wanted to be really nice to them in return. Uh, well, it was it was something that there is an aspect of economics that usually interested me, which is do with human behavior. Again, economics that I uh, landed up with uh, was essentially mathematics, uh, and it was doing me no good because I've never been good at math, and so I was stuck. Now, what do I do? So, did you continue, or what did you do? Well, uh, thankfully, I had one teacher uh, who learned early on, perhaps in the first class onwards, that I'm uh, up to no good, right? And because I used to ask a lot of questions and I felt that maybe a college would be very different from school. Really reminding, you're really reminding me of, of that dialogue from Dil Chata, I hate economics. Yes, that is me. <laughs> right. uh, God bless his soul is no more the teacher, but because I was asking too many questions, he was getting pissed off because he was starting kicking me out of class here. Yeah. He would, he would be taking a, a roll call and in his class, so he would say, XYZ, XYZ, Mayam Shekhar, get out. I'm not, 
what? Well, my uncle said, get out. I'm like, what? And then I'm like, you know what? Okay, this is what's going to be. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chill. I'm going to look at other things that I enjoy. And that's the beauty of, uh, that's another thing. I'm, I'm presuming a lot of young people listen to your podcast, Yashika. The one thing, uh, if they're taking college decisions, if they're taking a decision in terms of which college to go to as against which course to take up, I would say always choose college over course. Why? Why? The reason is at the end of the day, you are at that age, the age between 18 and 21, you are really, uh, your mind is the most fertile. It's, it's willing to take influences from across, right? And what a good college does, because it's, it, it makes sure that the, there's diversity in the college. It exposes you to all kinds of students. So it did not matter whether I was going to be an economic stopper, but I was surrounded by people who turned out to be uh, like me, like I turned, you know, I became a film critic. Uh, someone who was studying uh, uh, history became a chef. Somebody else became some a musician. And, and that can only happen in environments. There's intermingling of all kinds of students from various fields, studying various subjects, but also good at other things they may not pursue that particular subject um, in an academic sort of way into the future. But, you know, you will learn a lot from them and you'll learn a lot from doing nothing. I think the beauty of college life uh, in India is that you get to do nothing. Uh, for months and months on end, there's, there are no you know, semester exams. There's only one exam at the end of the year. So you can technically, you can cram it uh, the last one month. Bring up two things. One is the theory of elimination, which I love. And the second is doing nothing and trying to mingle with more and more people when in your college life. And I love that thought. What does one then do during their college years? What should they do? I mean, of course, you have to be, uh, you have to make your grades. The Indian education system is lethal that way. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of it. That little wrong side of it can make a difference between you being considered a loser all your life. If you, if you plunk a year, for instance, it's a blot. It's a blot that never goes away. It's so harsh. I'd actually grown up in the most, in the harshest uh, school environment, which is a school called Delhi Public School, RK Puram. This has about a thousand students in every class. My, uh, my, eventually my section in the 12th was R, letter R. So we're talking about having gone from ABCD and second, it may be the only that would give you uniform based on your grades. Ouch. I wanted that reaction. <laughs> so if you score 80 plus for three years in a row, you get to wear a blue blazer. If you score 80 plus for six years in a row, you wear a blue tie. Now, when you're walking in that school, by virtue of the uniform, you know how well the person has scored, which is, you know, instead of an incentive, it's actually a guilt-inducing system, right? Uh, it might put you down. Uh, it might make you feel inferior to someone. Thankfully, uh, the kids, uh, because they've been in that school for so long, and they're all friends, that there's never hierarchy in a real sense, right? That you know, by virtue of marks, how you are, how you, the uniform you wear. It's very clear that the world outside is deeply harsh. It's extremely competitive. Let me take you into this, uh, into this seminary, a monastery. Let me give you the worst example of it. So when I stepped out of school, I had seen, I'd already seen so much politics. I'm talking about real world politics, like uh, for school appointments, because you imagine you have 1000 kids. 
somebody has to be appointed head boy somebody has to be appointed uh, president of students council right now who is it going to be there will be 100 containers everything so they there are people who are going you know uh, lobbying there some people who are going pitching you out because you don't wear a tie all kinds of things right so when i when i got to the real world it seemed pretty easy to me you're trying to understand culture you're trying to understand history you're trying to understand psychology why and how writing again uh, pure chance because if i was into writing then then you would find my bylines in school magazines and you'll find none uh, if i was into writing you'd find my name in college magazines and there'll be none it's not something uh, that i wanted to pursue and it's a dream come true uh, or passion realized no it's again by by process of sheer elimination i arrived at writing so i finished college and uh, again i'm wondering what next um i used to be a really really good debater uh, back in college so you know we used to represent india at the at the world championship uh it's something that i'd been interested in all through school as well uh so it was something i was reasonably good at uh i was reasonably okay to good at uh, in quizzing uh and quizzing essentially means being intrigued uh being curious about random facts that you constantly come across making a note of it making a question out of it asking that question that's really what it's a sport really it's not about knowledge it's not about cramming in india it's actually yes uh yes it's the is the reverse of the education system if i can call it that the indian quizzing scene is effectively uh, arriving at a answer the questions are not just what is the capital of this the questions will have various clues so if been if you've been reasonably well read from those clues you'll arrive at an answer and that's a good question so when i finished college the obvious route for me to take uh, it seemed to me was media again because i was not going to do an mba the idea did not interest me i was not going to do a masters in economics but when i look back i think one lesson stuff that has happened that perhaps someone else could learn from is uh, to look for uniqueness if you can find that thing that you can be unique with and pursue it there ends the competition you don't need to how do you arrive at that elimination elimination you know and you have to be you have to be slightly brave about it uh don't get bogged down by it. and even if you get bogged down by big deal i mean these are not these are not this is not there's no right way of living life uh it really bothers me if i am not totally interested in something my threshold level of boredom is very very high so i and that is why even when i'm working and i've been doing the technically speaking the same job for almost two decades i've tried exactly what i was going to ask you that's the case and if boredom is the scene 20 years of writing is no joke mayank yes so uh, and which is which is how i arrived at journalism so the beauty of journalism that i discovered when i did was your your no single day is the same you are, every day you're telling a story right you're telling a new story every day uh and you're telling a story from the world around you from the world you discover from people you meet uh, from things you read uh, from stuff you watch right forget the the act of writing that is that is that is a sedentary boring part of it the act of absorbing is an interesting part of it right and that changes every single day so if you have a very high threshold of boredom which i did i realized man no single day of mine is ever going to be the same as a reporter i could be in a village 
or I could be looking at Panchayat, uh, Parsi Panchayat's electricity problem, which is like the biggest freaking first world problem you can ever come across. And this, this is this is my same week, right? I could be interviewing Shahrukh Khan, and I could be interviewing uh, uh, a Buddhist monk, and it could be the same week. And so, if you were to chat with me, good chances are you'll find me damn interesting. You know, be not because I'm interesting, but because I'm trying constantly trying to make my life interesting. I'm working towards not getting bored. So even when it comes to a career as a journalist, I try and keep as much distance as I can, not to go into the rut because then it will bore me. Tell us about the first ever writing experience as as a young journalist. Bring you back to 2001 when you you began your career with Midday and as a reporter. I particularly ask this because one in the 90s writing wasn't as cool as it is now. Two. You also knew that there are engineers around you, there'd be doctors, there'd be people, there'd be MBAs uh, who'd be having a higher paying job as opposed to writing, which you know is not, is perhaps not going to be as high paying. Where do you derive your motivation from then? Uh, so I went through that phase um, because here's the thing, right? None of these things uh, come to you on a platter. Uh, you have to earn them especially when you are a rank outsider to a field where you know absolutely no one uh, and they don't need you. They only have enough people to hire or to promote, right? So I decided to intern at midday when I was about 21, 22, uh, straight out of college. Before this, I've uh, uh, dropped out of two colleges, by the way. So I went to Jamia, which was at the time the best place to do um, uh, a master's in, in mass media. And a month into that course, I'm like, I am going to get really bored here. So no mass media background and you apply for an internship at midday. What is it like? Uh, no. So then I dropped out of there. Then I came to Bombay where I took up a course uh, at, at Xavier Institute of Communications, uh, which was a journalism course. And again, I dropped out. I didn't drop out. Uh, I realized that I'm, not, I'm learning nothing. I'm genuinely learning nothing. I'm just staying in class and whiling away time and going out drinking with my friends, which is great. I enjoyed that part. You know, that's the that's another thing, uh, Yashika, is I value uh, things that are not in curriculum far more than those that are. And I may have learned a lot more from media students, my classmates at XIC about media than I did in those classrooms. And getting a drink at uh, Sunlight Bar, which was like this cheap place, you know, they used to give a quarter of rum or whatever, that gave me a lot more perspective on life than the classroom was. And I realized, man, uh, I realized through them that I'm wasting my time here. One, I think the editor of Midday had come uh, to lecture at XIC. I did not attend that lecture, but they told me about uh, the fact that they were okay with interns. So I, then I showed up. Like if there is any, basically, if there is any workstation free, you go and sit now. That's really what, what that internship is. And if you want you to like, you know, clear some kachala or something, clear, clear it. If there's some, some rubbish that, that nobody wants to do, you'll get to do. And that's your day. Now, but the beauty of a paper like Midday, which is as old as I am, and at that time was still as, as young as I used to be, with a very, very young uh, newsroom, was you could be as good as the initiative you take. And if you have an idea, they're not going to stop you. And even when I was in my early 20s, I was hitting page one stories. Uh, for instance, the story that my, I think that may have been my first page one was because I was in XIC and I was seeing how there is a draconian 
principal who's uh, you know you know who's put up these you know these boards about what you can wear uh, how girls can't wear sleeveless they can't wear uh, colors certain colors um, how they can't be prom uh, night anymore which is a tradition and the college and all kinds of uh, rubbish rules right now this would be a story that a regular journalist will not find because a regular journalist does not go to college but i do so you know so you know i i turned that into a pretty like a almost like a campaign uh, sort of story thanks to my editors at the time so uh, stuff like that you know i was getting to do uh, things uh, based on me just raising my hands and listen i want to uh, meet amartya sen uh, he's in town now if it's not like anyone else raised their hand so why would they say no to me pursuing amartya sen if i get it great right so i would just stand outside uh, amartya sen's uh, uh you know at a banquet hall have told amartya sen i really want to meet you is it okay later i'll see i look like a kid also right so and then when he can see them still waiting is really late in the night uh then he call me to induce room uh close to midnight he's an old man he wants to sleep but i will engage him there after in a conversation i will make sure there is up for at least 40 minutes for a cracker interview that i think is good enough for someone to read uh, about amartya sen and economics is something i understand so which is why which is why amartya sen for me right um there was merit to initiative uh and if if young people and young people now uh, don't need don't need a midday newsroom that initiative is is totally up to them as the medium is right before them exactly yes they can you know you can start a blog no one will say no i right? and then you realize over a period of time that it's giving you a certain high it's 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 making you feel really good about what you do and that's how i joined this profession what is the role a mentor or a senior plays in your career progress yes i think uh, at the end of the day no matter what gyan you get from the world no matter what a spiritual guru tells you no matter what a life coach tells you no matter what you learn from this particular conversation too at the end of the day you have to be good at something and you have to hope that someone hires you it's as simple as that you know uh, and it you know there there's no larger lesson than this now i have only spoken about how to arrive at what you possibly could be good at but you have to be lucky man there's there's no avoiding luck it's a fact uh, you could be the world's most talented but not getting the opportunity but i think there is some merit uh in fact a lot of merit to sticking around take care of you know i think uh, i think uh, nature in general rewards resilience so if you don't lose heart and if you know your heart is in it it's not working out that that mentor does not exist someone else is not able to see uh, your talent eventually over a period of time good chances are you're reducing the probability of luck by sticking around but when you constantly work at something you reduce that element of luck to uh, the possibility of success what about journalism and film journalism then is it as glamorous as they think it is it, the fact that it involves writing the fact that it involves observation and keen observation at that so is it as glamorous as it looks it is as glamorous yes it is it is as much fun it is okay people who are going to get into this profession what to expect and what to be equipped with i think what you need for film journalism is no different from what you need for sports journalism for political journalism 
for business journalism, uh, the rules remain the same. You have to ask the right questions. And every piece of writing and the kind of writing that I do, which is uh, predominantly in the, in the nonfiction space, every piece of writing starts with a question. There is something you want to know. And the moment you know what that question is, uh, that can become an interview, that question can become a column, that can question can become a review, that question can become a, a, a profile of somebody. But it needs to start with a question. Um, and that you will have the right question if you are in it for the right reasons, if you're genuinely curious, if the idea of filmmaking per se, uh, from a production point of view, uh, really fascinates you. You find these people to be magicians in your head. You are in awe of the medium and the process. Why is it this world is another world being created outside of the world I constantly live in, right? And, it, and you dive into it. How can you not be like mesmerized by it? So that element has to drive you into film journalism. Then there are other things also, for instance, I'm equally mesmerized by what that medium does to the people. The cultural imprint leaves. So the art, culture, and technology of films deeply interests me. And so if I am- Can you learn it? Yes, you can, you can only learn it. You can't be born with this. You can only learn it through curiosity. I think in general, I believe that uh, media can't be taught, uh, but media can be learned. And it will always be learned by people who are into a rabbit hole and it never ends. You know, I think, I think uh, a lot of finite knowledge can be taught, but uh, something like this, something like media, uh, because it's, it's in the realm of constant discovery, does not end and it should not end. And it, where are the places, where are the places one must go to, to, to learn? Uh, at work, at work. It can only be learned on the job. Uh, writing, I've learned absolutely on the job. As I told you, I never wrote in school. I never wrote in college, right? So it's not something, it's not a craft that I've developed over a period of time and come, uh, come to hone it. No, uh, the first time I ever wrote, I think, well, I would have written here and there, but those are all my writing before this, uh, before I took this up as a profession was in debating, which you'll see a lot. You'll see elements of that in the writing I do anyway. Uh, a lot of friends of mine tell me that it, it feels like you're talking to me. It feels like I can hear you. And that's because my, my early training was in talking. You know, so there's an element of that that seeps into the way I write. Uh, but genuinely, I think the best way to do it is to do it. Does that also mean that there's a personality type? And I mean, introversion, extroversion, does that uh, help you decide, well, I could be a writer because um, X personality type? It's a good question, Yashika. I mean, I've thought about this idea of extroversion and introversion. And I believe that these are not binaries. I can only say things based on personal experience. Like for instance, when I am talking to somebody over an interview, or if I'm just basically talking to somebody for work, I'm really extroverted. But I can be deeply quiet for days and not say a word. Yeah, fact that you're sitting with people, interviewing them, and you're talking continuously. As against writing, which is a completely solitary experience. Movie going, movie watching, and observing and picking stuff. Again, a solitary experience. How does this work? Exactly. I have no idea how this works. Uh, but you know when it's working. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, one of my favorite writers, uh, uh, V.S. Naipaul, right? Uh, 
I mean, he was a crabby old man. A uh, biography of his uh, by Patrick French, I think it's called The World Is What It Is. And you'll get a sense of an extremely introverted, standoffish, uh, suffers no fools kind of man. But if you see his nonfiction work when he is out on the field with a notepad and a pen, for instance, he's done three books in India. He got everything right about India about 20, about 15 to 20 years before they actually happened. And he based it all on conversations on the street and with regular people, uh, not even knowing the language of those people. And he's telling you in the 80s that there's going to be an economic boom here. I can see, you know, the, the rumblings of an economic boom based on stockbrokers is met. So uh, writing per se is an extremely introverted job. It is, it is extremely lonely in its own way for that time. Uh, I'm glad that I get that space, but I'm also glad that I have written uh, for a fair portion of my life in newsrooms, which are extremely noisy spaces. At the same time, I've written under crazy deadlines where I have to, you know, which is what journalists do. And sometimes it's been... Where do you perform best? Because you've been a writer uh, writing under deadline. And also you've been the author of three books in... The flip side of journalism, uh, and this is true for me, is deadline is your only inspiration. I cannot write unless I have to send it right now. It's incredible. And if I can keep pushing it, if the if, if I am ever in the liberty pushing the deadline, and by, by pushing the deadline does not mean that I will uh, I will not meet my deadline. I will just make my deadline further, right? And then I will I will make my deadline further because. Really? You're, so an entertainment head is telling me that and a, someone with 20 years of experience is still telling me that that I fight karta with my inner self to meet the deadlines. Yeah. And which is obviously not something that uh, writers of other kinds do. Writers of other kinds have very strong discipline from all the interviews I've read of theirs and, and the ones I know. And Actually, going to arrive at that. Yeah. Is there a discipline involved? Like, I write Deadline is the only discipline, I know. And that is because uh, as a journalist, you don't know at what point in time you're going to meet someone, at what point in time something is going to work out. What you do know is what point in time your piece needs to be sent in. So it, I can't be this disciplined person who wakes up in the morning and writes, you know. I don't have that luxury. I've never had that luxury. So I could be, for instance, uh, covering election um, um, in Bihar, and the fact is that I can only meet this guy at uh, 8.30. And 9.30 is when I'm supposed to send in that piece. Now, I am not going to look for the right atmosphere. I will punch in that piece on my phone and send it. Right? And I'm forming sentences in my head as I'm talking to that person. You know, it's not the right, it's not the conducive way to interview someone. But then you are working your craft backwards because you already have a headline intro in place. You're pushing the piece in because you don't have you don't have the luxury so there is that there is that kind of writing that you can't avoid i'm not saying that is what one does every time but one has to what, what, what about film writing then yeah i mean the reason why i think uh, i would attribute me becoming a film critic is to a review i wrote uh, for a film uh, at around maybe around 3 a.m from the cash counter all right uh, of that particular multiplex and wrote it in about 14 minutes, right? Because that's the deadline uh, of the paper. And that got taken, that particular review got taken as a front page uh, news, which is a very big deal. 
What was that film? Tell us. There's a movie called Boom. Uh, <laughs> the Amitabh Bachchan one. Yes. Uh, and that's it. I mean, I had to file the review that day, and it had to be done that way. And clearly, the the writing was good enough, or was funny enough. Sometimes it doesn't need to be good. It just needs to be funny. It just needs to be entertaining. It needs to be engaging, of course, um, for it to be for it to be published uh, uh, in the paper's front page. Now, would would I have written something better if I had four hours to uh, you know think of five more jokes? Maybe, but maybe not. There is a certain flow. There's a certain flow that restriction of time gives you that I find deeply liberating. You know, it has to be done now. You know, because uh, most people, I'm sure Yashika, you go through the same thing. Most of us are actually procrastinators. Yeah, you know, everyone, all of us think about एक दिन किताब देखेंगे, एक दिन ये करेंगे, एक दिन वो करेंगे. पूरी जिंदगी निकल जाती है. So journalism doesn't give you that luxury. कि अभी करना है वो कागज खाली पड़ा है. it needs to be filled right now so you got to do it right then and i'm glad i'm glad a, a, a lazy person like me found a, a profession like this otherwise i would have done nothing all my life uh tell me what are the things a professional needs and um a film critic would need well i think uh, film criticism and a lot of people get tend to get this wrong film criticism uh, as we know it is actually a branch of journalism not a branch of filmmaking I find it really odd that every time I go somewhere, someone says, "When are you making your film? When are you making your film?" I'm like, "Why do I need to make my film?" A lot of it also happens because a lot of uh, film uh, critics in India have had filmmaking aspirations, uh, which are perhaps easier to realize because you already have the access with the film industry. You already know these people. You meet them for work and things like that. So it may be easier for them to actually end up getting a foot in the door, but. the field in itself does not come from filmmaking it comes from journalism where the same rules as i told you apply which is no different for instance from travel writing a good travel writing piece which gives you an experiential account of where you've been sometimes a cultural aspect to it sometimes a very personal uh, relatability to it sometimes something that you have not known sometimes you go to the deep alleys etc etc where i get a perspective on a place right rather than uh, an itinerary an itinerary would be when i tell you iske cinematography great hai iska uh, acting bahut acha hai isne bada acha kaam kiya ye kahani hai wo itinerary hai right that is what you in the travel uh, guide equivalent of that would be a lonely planet just a you know things to do right a checklist but when you read a travel piece by somebody that's not what you're looking for you're looking for an experiential account of that person as they saw it through their eyes it's deeply subjective uh, you're seeing it through their eyes but it should engage you enough to want it want to experience it your own way which is why uh, i think where uh, that's another area where people tend to get it wrong is uh, am i telling you to watch this movie or not no i'm genuinely not interested in whether you want to watch this movie or not it's totally up to you I am telling you, I regret having watched it, or I am telling you, I loved it. Right now, you are looking at my experience. Now, I I can draw you in because of my positive experience, or I could actually, and there'll be there should be enough clues in it that I'll draw you in because of my negative experience, because all those things that I did not like are perhaps the reasons why you love it, and I should leave that little room, that little little breathing space. I should tell you these things that it may not be for maybe for me. but it may be for you 
because you are not me right so it needs to it needs to take that tone as well and again these are things i i mean these are things that i've arrived at over years of doing it i you know yeah that's that's really nuanced and that's a really nuanced approach the fact that you you mentioned sometime back that all of us are observers today all of us are perhaps critics today all we need is our laptop and any medium instagram linkedin whatever and i can opine what then is the role of a film critic and how has it evolved good question good question, good question. i think uh, that would be true for not just a film critic that would be true for instance for a political analyst uh, you know someone is following politics or or a sports commentator uh, there is a reason why harsha bogle is a sports commentator not every single twitter handle is not a sports commentator and that reason is uh, not that he's i mean of course that speaks really well uh, that he has a command over language those are your skill sets your basic skill sets right you will not get on tv if you don't have that right that's a broadcasting skill set but the reason why we look up to him as a commentator is because he does not just give you opinion everyone can give you perspective is the point what you're looking for is not opinion what you're looking for is a perspective and how well rounded that perspective can be uh, depends on how deepened your understanding of something is and the deepening of understanding of anything comes with extensive engagement with that field and that extensive engagement could be from reading that extensive engagement could be from interacting with constantly interacting with people from that field uh, that extensive engagement could be thinking a lot about that field any field or life you know every every uh, everyone has an opinion on life but why is it that we are drawn to certain people right we're drawn to certain people because they offer you a perspective they're not just telling you this is shit don't do this don't do that they're just they're giving you how they arrived at that i think the arrival the the process of arrival is more important than your final than your final line that this is crap i i love how you uh, mentioned an itinerary saying you know cinematography xyz hai acting xyz hai versus the perspective one brings in with their writing tell me what the role of bias is then because ultimately you there will be bias and there will be opinions that you are biased towards there will be people that you are biased towards how do you draw that line how do you become your own critic absolutely it is impossible i think you don't draw the line you cannot because you may think that you are drawing the line but the fact is that line does not exist in your conscious self the line exists in your subconscious self right uh, you know uh, cognitive biases i mean it's they are they are inevitable how on earth is any 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 opinion any perspective which is absolutely personal uh, not subjective it is subjective now it is what you where you can draw a line though and which is the conscious uh, part of it is one between bias and prejudice you know where you can tell i hate this guy now regard i just hate him because you know when i met him at a party and um, and he threw his drink at me right now i don't care who he is even if he makes citizen kane i'm going to say it's shit that is prejudice that's not bias right it is based on something that has nothing to do with the work uh it is it is it is i mean it was always incumbent you should not be a journalist you should not be a film critic if you cannot separate the prejudice from your work 
instance and it, it works the reverse way also that you know you become too close to a person yeah yashika you and i become great buddies uh, and we do this podcast every week all right and tomorrow uh, you do another set of podcasts and you know and i'm supposed to review it it is impossible that i will not i will not feel for what you do in a way that nobody else may care i should not review it i don't trust my judgment because it's coming from a subconscious self i will be drawn to what what yashika says because she's a friend so you draw your own rules you draw your own rules yes that's one and uh, second i would like to believe okay uh, is is not not to monetize your influence don't 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 be this profession because you want to get into another profession it's very easy because because it's it's called media for a reason right and media is in is in the is is a medium is between public and the person you're talking to now if you keep getting too close to this side you can monetize the influence and then it's no fun doing this then get into that profession you know simply get into that profession what stops you tell me about a few challenging experiences that you may have had in your career a whole lot of them um initially in my career of course this is early early years where i would get messages from people who were who did not obviously which which movie actor director is going to like the fact that you trash their film yeah so if you trash their work they trash your work which is absolutely fair they think they think you're sold out they think you belong to some camp or the other uh, there have been instances where uh, ads have been taken out of the paper just simply based on a review a movie star stop talking to the paper just because of one review and all those things have happened but but i i've been lucky to be have been surrounded by some really fair editors fair journalists and that's really what we should hope for yashik i think that's the given all the biases that creep in and that are inevitable i think what we aim to do is not to be unbiased what we aim to be is is fair and you can you you'll know when you're being unfair <laughs> what are the what are some of the uh, films you'd recommend to young people who are sort of starting out in their careers i would i would say uh, look into the classics because it's easy to respond to a particular piece of work as it exists now but all art comes from other art every piece of work in effect has is has historical background to it nothing is is built out of a, 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 an imagination and solitude and and you know we were discussing the the difference between opinion and perspective that's what i mean by perspective you know anybody can watch something and say hey look at that or you're bahut great right but if you can bring in a certain his, you know a historical perspective to it if you've seen bresson's works if you've seen truffaut's works if you've seen ray's works if you've seen the uh, bimal roy's works if you've seen gurudatt's works if you've seen the uh, hitchcock's works they'll give you a sense of where we are coming from uh with film you know Uh, and and that's a foundational understanding i think that uh, that someone who is trying to be a film critic must have it's very important and how does a critic respond to criticism how should people respond to criticism i think people respond to criticism very badly and this whole myth called constructive criticism is a lot of bullshit you know what i mean there is when when they say when they say when they say they want constructive criticism what they want is praise they want you to say good things to them uh we have to constantly work towards it towards reaching a point where we can see criticism 
for its worth and that can only happen when it's a critique when it's when it's a when it it looks at what you've done uh and also looks at um areas where where you when you're not thought of you know that's a critique right i may not like it today but i will keep it in my mind and it will actually improve me and it it's it's true for everyone all of us without an exception totally rubbish at that moment when it's told to us and and there are 50 million thing positive things that people may have told you but that one guy who told you one negative thing sticks and i really hope that that one negative thing that sticks is not something that deliberates you it's not something that puts you down it is something that helps you get better uh so to answer your question how does a critic uh, uh take criticism very badly very badly but we like all of us we need to get better at it uh and um, and work towards it uh i think i'm far better at uh, criticism personal criticism now than i was say 20 years ago but that's also the freaking flaw of the 20s yeah there's something about the 20s we think we know everything you know it's that decade that really and 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 everyone has to go through the decade so i'm not even saying guys be careful and don't be you can't help it you will be that and what's the point of being 20s if you are not that you're idealistic you you want to change the world you think the world that exists at the moment sucks you think people who've been around doing the same thing that you've done no don't know better and all those things and at that point you don't want any authority which is great i think that that level i think that level of enthusiasm those innocence in the eyes uh, should stay should remain those innocence of the 20 should remain what should be added to it is a certain level of equanimity and a certain level of being able to be objective about what you do that tum tismar khan nahi ho yaar you know tum tum sabko lagta hai hum special hai tum special nahi ho you know you are one stack in a one in a stack of many uh, and you can constantly improve yourself and somebody might know better and they probably do uh what does achievement mean to you uh achievement i think uh, means freedom to me uh the freedom to do what i wish to do you can arrive uh, at that freedom based on what you've set uh, your goals what's the point or whatever it is that you achieve if you are if you can't live the way you want to every time you wake up uh, what are two timeless films you say like your go to films you know jab bhi main low hota hu i just go back to them aisa kuch nahi hai life bahut short hai i'd rather try something new uh, i don't keep going back to the same film i think uh, movies because there's so much they're so magical and they're like you know it's a medium that is just beyond storytelling i don't know why they keep saying it's a storytelling medium hell not you know i can get stories from anywhere i can tell you a story why do you need to go to the theater for it uh, it's a magical medium so uh, the the way you experience magic um the first time that it hit you will be when you're when you're much younger at age right so when i was a kid for instance i i watched a, a big this movie called big tom hanks in it um again and again and again you know it's about a little boy who becomes big I don't care about uh, Citizen Kane or I don't know why I'm saying Citizen Kane again again. I guess because I've just watched Mank. Mank is this lovely film on Netflix, David Fincher's Mank, which is on the making of, uh, uh, which will probably pick up a few Oscars uh, this year. Uh, it's on Netflix, so must check it out. Uh, so I don't care what people say, but for me, Big is a number one film. You know, it's it's because the way I watch Big, I'll never be able to watch any film with that same love and emotion. right no film will mean so much to me so you can't take away my love for uh, uh, wayne's world and the third one is satya uh, because i've not seen anything as adult and hard hitting as satya and i just turned 
Now I've seen a lot of great films since Satya, but my number one will always my number one Hindi film will always remain Satya because no one can take no one can give me that experience. So movies like I love that. I love the part where you bring in the emotional experience with the with the content because that's what cinema does to you. That's what it is, you know. All this cinematography is great and acting is decent, and you must watch it for the star is rubbish. Yeah, what did it do to you? Yeah, were you like bored to death, or were you like you know energetic, excited? You know, you felt so happy after, or you felt so sick after. It, you tell me that experience. Yeah, that's what I want to know. And and that experience is is at height when you're young. Yeah, and which is why uh, all these uh, lists are fraud lists. If they don't point out something that you know you could watch again and again when you were a child. Love that. Thank you for the films. Thank you for the writing. Thank you for your time and your uh, experiences as casual and chill as they could get. Thank you, Yashika. This is perhaps the most fun I've had uh, uh, doing an interview. I mean, uh, uh, thank you so much for having me. This was this was wonderful. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to share your thoughts and feedback. in the comment section do rate us on apple podcasts if you like the episode subscribe or hit follow voice of achievers on apple podcasts google podcasts hubhopper spotify jio seven gana or wherever you get your podcasts from send us an email on editor at voiceofachievers.com or find us on voiceofachievers.com to share guest suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover don't forget to tune in next week again voice of achievers on epilog media